Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, in the reading from the Gospel of Luke, the Pharisees were having a party one afternoon. After the synagogue services, they all gathered together at a house to eat some food, and they invited with them Jesus. Yes, they invited Jesus to attend with them. Now keep in mind that this invitation was a devious plot against Jesus. Sure, the Pharisees were acting friendly to Jesus on the surface, but underneath this kind invitation was a trap. Yes, a trap for Jesus. So what was their trap? Simply stated, there was a sick man before Jesus that Sabbath day at that dinner party, and the trap was this. They were watching, they were seeing. Would Jesus heal this man? If he did, which he eventually did, if he did heal this man, the Pharisees would have Jesus right where they wanted him. In other words, if Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, He would be guilty of working on the Sabbath. And if he worked on the Sabbath, well, he would be guilty of breaking that third commandment and be trapped as a sinner. Checkmate. But before we get too far, if Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, would he really be guilty of breaking the third commandment? Well, yes and no. 
You see, he would be guilty of breaking the third commandment according to the Pharisees' understanding of the third commandment. But according to God's word, Jesus would not be breaking that third commandment. So what is going on here this day? What is going on with this text? Well, the Pharisees were using their own rules, not God's word, to try to trap Jesus. Somewhere along the way, the Pharisees departed from what God said about the Sabbath in this third commandment, and then they developed their own rules on the third commandment. They, they actually twisted and bent that third commandment to conform to their ideas. But why do the Pharisees do this? Well, dear friends, we must keep in mind that as human beings, we all have this very strange characteristic of building our own religion. In other words, we use our traditions and our ideas to make up our own rules. And once we have the rules made up for ourselves, well, then we congratulate ourselves, we pat ourselves on the back for keeping our rules, and then we condemn everyone else around us who does not measure up to our standards, who does not measure up to our religion. But there's a problem. We are using our rules, our traditions and ideas, and not God's word. But this does not stop us from doing this. You see, it is so very easy for us to believe that our rules are actually the same as God's word, when in reality they are not. We must keep in mind that making up our rules and passing them off as God's word is not just something restricted to that first century Pharisees. Each and every one of us, we all do this because it is so extremely convenient to twist God's word and to bend God's word to our ideas, to make things easier for us and harder on everyone else around us. I remember when I was a child playing chess with my grandmother. It was the best. It was wonderful. I would win every single game. Absolutely every time. And the reason being was this. The rules of the game of chess with my grandmother were always changing with me. My grandmother would say, I thought the pawn could only move one spot, Matthew. And I would respond, oh no, Grandma. The pawn can move three spots. And then I would proceed to move the pawn three spots to take her rook. And then later on in the game, well, the rules would change again and again and again so that I could move the pawn not three spots, but four and five and six and diagonal and all over the place. You see, the rules of the game of chess were always evolving to suit me. The rules were always changing to make sure that I would do better than my grandmother. And the same thing happens with the faith. Indeed, the same thing happens with the faith. Dear friends, the rules that we use to replace or twist God's word are rules that we are really good at following. We make up the rules to make sure that we are justified to feel complete, to feel whole, to be right. And so every generation and every Christian, to a certain degree, ends up having their own variations of religious rules. Rules that they are really good at following, rules that are not from God's word, but certainly come across as religious and holy, as if they are straight from the holy writ. 
But how do you and I know if we have been ensnared in this trap? How do we know if we have made up our own religious rules regarding the Christian faith? How do you and I know if we're upholding the traditions of man and not the word of God? Well, there are two very simple questions. Two very simple questions that you and I can ask ourselves. The first question is this. Do I see myself as doing better? Do I see myself as doing better than everyone else around me in the Christian faith? Let me state that one more time. Please listen. Do I see myself as doing better in the Christian faith than everyone else around me? The second question is this. What do I spend more time on considering my sins or being a watchdog trying to spot the sins of everyone else around me? Now, my friends, if you see yourself better than everyone else around you and you point your finger more at others than you do yourself, the very blunt news is this. You are just like those Pharisees from our gospel reading, living by your own religious traditions and ideas and rules and not the word of God. Now, permit me an opportunity. Yes, permit me an opportunity to explain this to you how it works. When we live this Christian faith by our religious rules, we typically do better than those who do not know the ins and outs of our rules. Simply stated, the person that makes the religious rules is good at playing by those rules because they were the ones that created them. Remember the chess example with my grandmother? Point taken. So since we are doing great at our religious rules, we have extra time to examine everyone else around us, which results in us spending more and more time being a watchdog of other people's sins. How they actually break our rules. Sins according to us. And that is why we are the same as those Pharisees who are trying to trap Jesus. You who have ears, hear this. Unlike the traditions, ideas, and religious rules of mankind, God's law, yes, God's law expressed in the Ten Commandments, leaves no one standing. The law of God levels everyone to the status of sinner. God's word of law shuts everyone's mouths because no one can meet its perfect and holy standard. And so there's no such thing, get this, there's no such thing as being a better Christian than another Christian. There's no such thing as ranking of greatness in Christianity. There's no such thing as righteous hierarchies before God's word of law. We are all equally sinners together. And so if you are puffed up, sitting at a high seat of honor, with your nose tilted up, with your traditions and ideas and religious rules, shaking a prideful finger at everyone else beneath you, well, repent. Yes, repent of your imagined greatness. Repent with me. You and I are simply not that special. We need to repent of our man-made rules, our pride, our manipulation of God's word and our farts. Of Pharisees. Dear friends, please hear this clearly. At the heart of our Old Testament lesson, 
in our gospel reading from this day is the fact that the Lord God opposes the proud. The person who boasts before God with their man-made rules and finger-pointing will be humbled in judgment. Well, the one who humbly beats their chest, confessing sin in thought, word, and deed, well, they may trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins and be raised at that last day. Lord, have mercy on you. Lord, have mercy on me as proud sinners. As proud sinners, though, we must hear right now that the Lord God hears our cries for mercy. You see, he shows mercy to you and me with our confession of prideful rulemaking, and there is even more. The Lord forgives you. He, he forgives you and me. He forgives you of, of your pride. He forgives us of our man-made rules, our finger-pointing. For Christ's sake, you are forgiven completely. For Christ's sake, I am forgiven. And as the forgiven saints of Christ, not only are we given this profound status, this profound status of baptized saints in Jesus Christ by his shed blood, there is something very profound that is continually given to you. You are given God's word and again and again and again. This word is poured into your ears. You are given the word of God again and again and again to hear, to read, to inwardly digest. You are given God's word so that you might not give an inch to the traditions and ideas and rules of mankind. We must keep in mind, in these religious rules of mankind is not life, but death. Regarding this topic, Martin Luther Yes, Martin Luther once said this. He said, In bold and shocking ways, so that pharisaical hearts do not lead more and more people into air, one should feel free to eat meat and break fast, and in the spirit of liberty given by faith, do things they consider by their own religious made-up rules to be the greatest of sins. What Luther is saying is that we should disobey the man-made traditions and ideas and rules because they are not the word of God. We are not captive to man-made principles. That is right. You and I are to resist the man-made rules because you and I are not enslaved to the empty doctrine and the trickery of mankind, but we are solely captive to the word of God and the word of God alone. Baptized saints... You are Christians, you are blood-bought by the blood of Christ, and you are held captive to the word of God, not the religious rules of mankind. You are held captive to the word of God, so you are not bouncing to and fro on the winds of every cunning doctrine of mankind, but you are cemented, you are anchored in Christ and his word, which is for you, Christ's word, which is truth and life and salvation for your souls. You belong to Christ. You have ears to hear his word. Rest in his word for you this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.